Hi, everybody. Welcome to the February 23rd, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on Colorado Secretary of State Wayne Williams announcing this week that there was no public business activity from the 13 Russian nationals and three companies that were indicted by Robert Mueller last week. Meanwhile, the Denver Post reported that information from Russian-backed tweets appeared in more than a dozen media reports in Colorado in 2016. Patty Cajon from Westward, uh, are you fearful that Russian tweet information made its way into Westward? Well, I just hope they are buying pot, and then I don't care. It's working fine. <laughs> Uh, back in, in April of 2016, exactly, in April, well, it, it is out of the country. In April 2016, when Donald Trump said that Colorado's elections were rigged, clearly he was in the best position to know this. But interestingly, 2014 was not the Russians' first incursion in Colorado. We did a report back in 1996, the Russians broke into networks across the country by hacking a Colorado School of Mines computer. So we have been... The source of much trouble, and after before that, of course, there was Red Dawn, the movie. You beat so me to it. So we absolutely. are a target of Russia, no question. Uh, uh, David uh, Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School, as Patty so eloquently slated, uh, stated, uh, ever since Red Dawn, Colorado has been the front line of the battles with uh, Russia. Do you think uh, its incursion in 2016 will make any difference to Colorado voters moving forward? First of all, Red Dawn is one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, although it's actually filmed in New Mexico, I, I learned that. I was wondering why there was so little snow uh, in some it for of the scenes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but it, it's set in Colorado. <laughs> the Russians have been doing this. In Europe, you, they're tyrants trying to undermine free governments uh, since the 1800s. And that's go been going on in the United States at least since the 1930s when various dupes of, and willing agents uh, of Stalin have been trying to, in including many of them in Hollywood, uh, trying to influence the United States. As Patty said, we had the incident in 1996. It is a continuing problem. The tyrannies that rule Russia under whatever names they were, the czars of the olden days or the communists and, and now Putin, it's all kind of the same thing. And we need to recognize that Russia is a serious threat to our system of government. And uh, boy, it's another reason I wish Mitt Romney had won that election in 2012 because he recognized Russia was a threat and Obama blew it off and now we, we learn that Obama actually knew about most of this Russian activity going on in the last election cycle and did nothing about it. Penfield Tate, attorney at QTech Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. Do you think Coloradans will be more wary of what we see and hear as we approach what's bound to be a very contentious 2018 election? I think they will be and I think they ought to be. Um, you always ought to, you know, question the source until you can validate or at least some, get some sort of corroboration for what you're hearing. So I, I think we're all well advised to be guarded about the information we get. And, and uh, to David's point, it's not just the last election cycle or the one before that. The Russians have been doing this for decades. And I think a lot of governments have known it. They just haven't figured out how to be better than they are and block what they're doing. And I think they've given us all a false sense of security by not talking about it previously. But now it's in your face. You just can't avoid it. And the only question as Americans we have to deal with now is whether uh, the Trump campaign actively colluded with that effort and, 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 and with the intention of changing the, the outcome of the, the election. And, and that's what Mueller is looking into. Michael Fields from Americans for Prosperity rounds up the panel. Uh, we, we teased uh, Patty about uh, Westward having information. How does Americans for Prosperity make sure that they're not echoing things that are coming from folks that are already part of this indictment? 
Well, a lot of what we do is uh, come up with our own materials, our own policy stuff, you know, studies that we're looking at. Um, you know, obviously the Denver Post did point out that Colorado politics as a hashtag on Twitter was targeted and it did end up in some Denver Post stories. Uh, I think in this case the Secretary of State, you know, coming out with this report basically saying that nothing uh, impacted, you know, the election here in Colorado in terms of uh, the actual voting. I think that one thing that the Secretary of State was trying to do was show that we have a really good system here. They tried to hack in. They weren't able to do that. Um, and also that they're doing their due diligence following up on these companies and these people so nothing falls through the cracks here in Colorado. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is a big issue, as everybody said. Russia trying to meddle in this stuff. I don't think they did a great job of doing it in the first place, um, but it's something that has to be stopped and something that should be on the radar going into 2018, going into 2020. On the heels of last week's school shooting in Florida, students and community members are demanding change from politicians locally and nationally. Representative Mike Kaufman was met with harsh criticism and protests at a town hall this week while students and community groups held rallies at the state capitol. Meanwhile, a protest outside of Senator Cory Gardner's office actually happened on Friday morning. Patty, sadly, Colorado's been ground zero for uh, gun issues for almost 20 years now. Do, do you gather a different feel to what we're seeing this week? What we're seeing is 20 years of buildup. I mean, Colum Columbine has always been considered kind of the start of the new modern era of school shootings, and it's not an era anyone's really excited to see. But we found out that some of the lessons of Columbine aren't being applied now. And what's dismaying is just the more we know, the more we discover we don't know. In the case of Parkland, for example, not only were all these warning signs of the mental situation with this kid ignored, the FBI ignored messages, other people ignored messages, but you find out that the sec armed security guard outside waited and didn't go in. That's the first lesson that came out of Columbine was you do not wait. If you want to save lives, you have to go in. And 20 years later, we're not following that. Um, I think the fact that kids are mobilizing and arguing is great. They better get educated at the same time because we all, as I'm guessing I'll hear very quickly from David, we all have very different opinions on guns, but there are certain facts you can agree on. There are over 300 million hand guns out in America right now, so no matter what gun laws are passed, we still have to deal with that. We all agree that the mental health issue is critical, and we have to figure out how to compare the information and how to deal with troubled people. Um, I think this is not like the children's crusade during the crusades. This is not some quixotic campaign that is going to end really, really horribly. I think it's good. They'll get active. It feels much more like the late 60s with Vietnam. People will get out and make a difference. How it's going to happen, it's too soon to tell. David, what did you make of how uh, Congressman Kaufman handled uh, the protests we saw in the town hall? Well, as always, he's he's pretty unflappable. And, you know, a guy who's been a Marine and uh, done a number of combat tours uh, sometimes comes away with a lot of equanimity and poise. Uh, it, it, it says everything that when he said he's open to considering new gun controls that, that comply with the Second Amendment, he was booed for that. So th this issue, as in previous times, it's not about the X or Y or Z gun control du jour, although we, we can certainly talk about those things. But the fundamental energy of those who were booing Kaufman is hostility to the right to keep and bear arms at all and to the right of, of self-defense. Patty, of course, is everything she said was exactly right. We have learned nationally so many lessons from Columbine, and those lessons have been applied and stopped many, many, many school shootings because people have done the see something, say something. 
It was flagrantly ignored, of course, in, uh, in Parkland by the incompetent FBI and Broward Sheriff's Office. And then on top of that, she also says the police tactics have changed. And they say if there's an active shooter, you go in with what you got. Uh, and that, that's better, because that, at the least you can lay down what's called suppression fire, where you may not kill the guy, but if you're shooting at him, that's a huge distraction uh, from him being able to, to aim at other people. And, of course, that was ignored as well. It's probably all, you know, 11 of the 13 fatalities at Columbine were attributable to the police failure to enter the building in, in a timely manner. And probably the Pulse nightclub had a lot of those deaths were, again, a failure to enter when the active shooting was actually going on and the police had already arrived. And same thing here. But the, the good thing is that's not the norm anymore. Now most non-cowardly responsible law enforcement officers will run in and, and take action. Pat, let me ask you about what we're seeing from the protests because sadly we have a history of seeing a mass shooting, people getting angry on both sides, uh, a lot of vocal protests and a week or two goes by, maybe a few weeks go by, and then we're on to something different as a community, as a society. Does this feel any different to you from what you're seeing? It, it does feel different, but, it, but then, mind you, we could see the same thing again where everybody's outraged for 10 days and it goes away. But I agree with Patty, and, and in other conversations uh, I've shared, this feels a lot more like the 60s and 70s in the beginning coalescence of a movement generated and sort of sparked by young people who have basically said, we're tired of being victimized, we're tired of being helpless, you're the adults, but you won't do what we think is reasonable to protect us, so we're just going to raise a little hell until somebody pays attention and starts to do something. That's how sentiment changed towards the Vietnam War, that's how 18-year-olds got the right to vote, that's how a number of things changed in this country, and this feels a lot like that. Um, Mike Kaufman, I don't always agree with him, but I, but we have to give him props. He at least walked into a room and did a town hall meeting in person, unlike Cory Gardner and others phoning it in because they didn't want the the displeasure of having people look them in the eye and say, we think you're not doing your job or you're wrong. Kaufman stood there and took it. Uh, and. And he needs to, and a number of other elected officials need to, because I don't think this issue is going away. Because now it's not just kids, but now their parents are getting angry, saying, all right, I'm not sending my kids to school to be subjected to this crap. Do something about it. And I think it's interesting that, that Kaufman is equivocating. And, you know, the, the, the theater shooting, Aurora theater shooting, was in his district. And so you've got people saying... You know, what's the deal? How can you not be all over this issue? And I think they have a legitimate point. One last thing I'd offer, and it's to David's point, and I think we shouldn't get confused. I think a lot of the folks who are outraged about what's going on, I don't think their outrage is with the Second Amendment and your right to bear and keep arms in your home to defend your home and your family and your property. They are questioning the sanity of letting military-style weapons be out in the community where anybody can buy them and get them and tote them around and do stuff like this because we don't have comprehensive background checks and we don't have some other common sense uh, measures in place. And that's what I think people are getting tired of. 
Michael, the NRA has faced pressure before. Like again, we've talked about this for almost 20 years in Colorado, so this is nothing new. But do they become a bigger, for lack of a better term, target because it's it's a it's a bigger bad guy, and because they're tied to a lot of different elected leaders, does that become the focus of uh, these different protests as they move forward? I think it's an easy thing for them to use uh, symbolically uh, to go after the NRA. I mean, the fact is the NRA has a ton of members. Uh, the fact is the NRA, you know, has some impact, but it's more the people. Like here in Colorado, um, which we'll, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to talking about the state level stuff. Um, you know, the recalls happened because voters decided to get rid of, of people who passed these gun laws, and so I do think that they're kind of made as as the bad guy in this. Um, I am. I do want to say something positive about the media in this. Um, I think. They are biased often uh, when it comes to this issue and others, um, but they do give us access to the human aspect of what happens. So, you know, that dad that came to the White House and shared, you know, his thoughts about his daughter dying, um, we get to see that in, in our houses, and it was really moving, I thought. Um, and I'm, I'm agree with Patty that the students getting involved in this, um, becoming more politically active is a good thing. I think President Trump having people to the White House was a good thing. Rubio and, and Senator Nelson in Florida having the town hall, um, and then Mike Kaufman doing a town hall and taking those questions was good. Um, you know, they do go after Mike Kaufman a lot. It's a hostile crowd every time he has one of these. Um, but he even got booed when he talked about the failures of the FBI. Um, and the FBI did fail in this. The sheriff, uh, the sheriff's department did fail, and they had a lot of uh, a lot of tips that said that this guy was in trouble. Um, you know, and really, the and you guys brought this up, but the armed guard uh, who didn't go in and really, you know, confront the shooter and, and try to kill him uh, was a big mistake. And so I think, you know, all these policy discussions are going to happen. They're going to continue. Um, both sides kind of have their positions on it. Uh, but let's talk about the things that can be fixed, and that is the process of the FBI, the Sheriff's Department, and the armed guards who are supposed to be doing something. Gun issues made headlines at the state capitol here in Colorado this week as Republican lawmakers proposed three separate bills aimed at easing gun regulation, including a bill that would allow firearms on school campuses. All three bills failed in a House committee vote along party lines. David, these bills were nothing new. They've, uh, they've appeared before. And in a House committee where the Democrats have the majority, they weren't likely to go anywhere. So uh, maybe I'm being cynical, but it felt more like a stunt. Uh, what do you uh, surmise from what we saw at the legislature this week? Oh, this is, it, well, it's common in the legislature on many things, is minority party member has some bill they believe in, and they keep bringing it back. And the majority party says, oh, well, that, that might actually get some bipartisan support on the floor, so we're going to make sure it never gets to the floor. And that's what the purpose of the State Affairs Committee in the House and the Senate is, no matter which party's in control of that. That's its it, uh, traditional role. Colorado's one of 18 states that currently allows, under some circumstances, armed defenders at schools and not, not beyond uh, on-duty police officers. There are at least six cases over the years where attacks on schools have been stopped because there was an armed defender present at the time. Uh, Arapahoe High School here a few years ago, the school resource officer, sheriff's deputy, was there within 80 seconds and stopped the criminal. And one person was killed, and that's why it's not a, a famous national atrocity because he was he was there quickly pearl mississippi in nineteen ninety seven it was the, the vice principal of the who ran and got a, the handgun out of his car in colorado what the independence institute is doing is working to help teachers promote participate in a program called faster it was created in ohio it gives them training from doctors and from defensive gun experts like swat team members about 
how to deal with an active shooter, about how to apply emergency medical care, and also how to confront and stop the shooter. That's already going on in Colorado. School districts can designate employees as security guards. Some have, and the Independence Institute is working to help them be as, as well-trained as possible. Penn, what did you think of uh, the move this year? Was it is a standard election year maneuvering? Uh, it, partly, uh, partly. Uh, it, clearly, the, the, the representatives that sponsored the bills um, in the House knew they were going to die. Uh, they wanted to make a point. They wanted to have the conversation. And even though I may have disagreed with the legislation, I think that's a legitimate role for any legislator to play. If you have an issue that you want brought out and you want to have a conversation, you ought to run the bill. And if it dies, it dies. But you have a right to push that issue and have the conversation. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I think they were colossally bad ideas, at least two of the three. One, I'm sort of on the fence, the, the one that would have allowed business owners and employees to, to defend uh, their premises. But I don't think we need more armed teachers in schools. Um, they ought to be teaching. If you want to have protection, hire a police officer who is specifically licensed and trained and certified and equipped for certain circumstances. What we saw in Florida this time notwithstanding, where the officer didn't engage, but that's fine. But I don't think we need a bunch of teachers running around um, strapped uh, in the classroom and in the school. I don't think that makes sense. And, and I don't I have a problem with continuing the ban on the high-capacity magazines either. Um, but like I said, the other one is sort of touch and go. But sure, it's sort of election year maneuvering. But they're legitimate conversations to have. One other thing to keep in mind with this whole gun debate that I think we're not focusing on now just because of the, the, the prominence of the school shooting is part of this whole conversation that is occurring is, uh, you know, we've lost sight of the fact of all of the shootings by, you know, law enforcement officers of innocent civilians, in large measure African-American men, um, and how that has, has been sort of an epidemic uh, over the last few years. And so that, that's part of what I think is, is sort of a, a, a subcurrent in this entire conversation, why people are not feeling entirely confident about giving more people the right to run around and start firing shots wherever they feel like it or if they feel they're being helpful. Michael, do the bills and their failure uh, make it headlines later, or not headlines, maybe uh, political ads later this year? I think they could. I mean, they're always used. These are the bills that come up every single year, especially since 2013. Uh, I think this was just, you know, the opportunity after this happened for, for the Republicans to do this. I think the Democrats will take a shot at it at some point, too, of more gun control, um, and the Senate will, will shoot that down. Uh, I think there's more likely that something, uh, it's not very likely, but more likely that something happens on the national level uh, when President Trump comes out and talks about bump stocks, talks about increased background checks, uh, talks about raising the age of, of purchasing guns. Um, so I think, you know, if there anything happens, I, I see more uh, on the national level than in Colorado. But I think in Colorado, too, we have uh, a system the attorney general does called Safe to Tell. And basically this program, you can anonymous, anonymously uh, call in and leave tips about stuff. The counties also have a similar type program. And I think we need to do a better job of promoting this so that kids know, so that everybody knows that this can be used, uh, so that if somebody is a threat, that they can report that. Patty, have this, is this the last we'll hear about guns at the legislature this year? Oh, sure. No, of course not. We will be hearing plenty. But if you want to remove the ban on high-capacity magazines, the week after um, a, ma a major shooting is not good timing for you. I think the most interesting thing coming out of the Capitol yesterday was the health department, which the state health department, which said, hey, let's remove the federal ban on, investigate, on funds going to looking into gun violence. 
that was, we, I hope Trump picks up that too, because he talked about the mental health issues. He talked about raising the age for guns. He said some good things, but to do more research to figure out how is this happening and why is this happening, and then apply the lessons the right way. We've got a problem there. Look what happened yesterday, this week, in schools in Colorado. We had plenty of people telling because we must have had half a dozen um, incidents at least with students making threats in schools. Mm -hmm. Let's get a quick take on this last one. The Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce presented four possible ballot initiatives this week that would ask voters to approve a statewide sales tax increase toward transportation funding. Lawmakers' support for the move was mixed, with some Republicans saying the move is not needed and some Democrats wondering if this is the right time for it to be on the ballot. Penn, your quick take on this, is this the right time? You know, it's it's the right time to have the conversation. I don't know if these measures are the right measures, and I certainly don't think that the initiation, uh, initiated measure is the approach. I, I think you often do better with a referred measure coming out of the legislature where there's some conversation and you can begin to build bipartisan compromise as part of the process, which is partly why I think these chamber measures may be doomed and why other folks are looking at the alternative of running something through the legislature, trying to get bipartisan support and referring some measure onto the ballot. Michael, are Democrats worried that a tax increase they would have to support would be tied to them for the, this election? I think you already saw that in the article about it. Alec Garnett, who's a state representative, was saying this might not be the best uh, route to go. I mean, we just got national tax cuts. People are happy about that. It's gone up 14% nationally in support. Um, the budget has gone up $2 billion. People don't want to increase taxes right now, especially when the legislature has uh, the money in order to fix roads. So I think there's two outcomes with this. One, um, the money never materializes to get it on the ballot, to uh, you know have a campaign behind it, and it is pulled like it was last year. Or the second thing, it gets on the ballot, and it really helps the Republican nominee for governor uh, because a lot of people won't you know vote for it, and they'll turn out to vote against it and really vote for uh, the Republican. Patty, everyone can agree that roads are a problem. No one can agree on the solution. More potholes ahead? Uh, throw guns in them. I mean, the, what, we are going to have a spring with plenty of potholes again, and as soon as that spring, those potholes emerge, the passions will flare again about doing something about transportation. People who've spent time on I-70 stuck, both in the summer and the winter for the tourists, it is going to be a hot issue again. Whether or not the Chamber of Commerce is able to push through this ballot measure, other people are going to be talking about it. We're going to have some big ballot issues on come November. Dave, wrap it up for us. Thanks to the pathetic weakness of Senate Republicans last year uh, with their betrayal of the taxpayers' Bill of Rights, the Colorado state government is going to take away much of the tax cuts or a significant share of the federal tax cuts that Coloradans are getting, and it's going to go to the Colorado state government. And even with this huge windfall, they still refuse to provide adequate funding for roads. So they say, oh, sure, we'll spend all the money we want on, on what, our stuff, but if you actually want adequate C-minus level road funding, no, you're going to have to have, raise taxes on yourself. They ought to be able to find the money in this existing gigantic budget uh, to do a decent job on roads. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. I'm going to put out an urgent plea on behalf of Alan Roach, who is about to maybe be booted from the airport train voice. Poor man is stuck covering the Olympics, cannot lobby for himself, but you can vote for the new train voice through Sunday. Of course, he's the old train voice. They just, everyone kind of forgot he still lived here. 
I'm astonished at the campaigns for this. This is some serious business. Well, you'll notice none of us got the call. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting for that one, DIA. David? I would think he'd get bored of the job by this point, just saying the same thing over and over all day, but whatever. Um, you know there's people out there that agree with <laughs> that they actually even believe that. You know that. <laughs> uh, it, it sure says a lot that in the, that CNN town hall mob hall uh, they had, and it, with Representative Kaufman's town hall, that when you point out the failures of law enforcement, you get booed. And I'll tell you what to the, I'd say to the average member of the public, or certainly to any gun owner, when you that attitude says, oh, give up your ability to protect yourself. And by the way, if you criticize the government for failing to protect you, that's not allowed either. That's not a, uh, I, I think that'll increase people's determination uh, to be responsible for the defense of themselves and their families. Penn. Well, after 13 indictments of Russian nationals, you've now got um, Trump's deputy campaign manager, Gates, about to enter into a plea deal um, over this whole question of Russian involvement, um, not only in the elections, but the potential possibility that the Trump campaign played an active role. This is getting more and more disturbing every day. Michael. Uh, in 2014, a drunk driver killed one of our country's veterans, uh, a guy who served in Afghanistan, and, and the driver fled the scene. It was his third DUI, um, and he originally got a six-year sentence, and this week a judge knocked that down to six months. Uh, so I just don't think that's justice. I think something needs to change. I wholeheartedly agree. I read that this morning, and I thought I read it wrong. I, I couldn't believe that. Say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty. I know dealing with the media can be very pesky for public officials, but it is part of being public. So I want to thank Troy Riggs, the new manager of safety, for talking to me today. And I want to say, Senator Cory Gardner, Walker Stapleton, I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Return our calls. David. Connie Sanders, Jay Brightlow, and Kimberly Cobron, who joined me on a panel for TEDx Mile High uh, Wednesday night in uh, uh, lower downtown, and it was a really nice and civil and, and thoughtful discussion. You can watch it on the TEDx Mile High uh, Facebook site. It was a, a real refreshing difference from a lot of the non-dialogue that goes on. Penn. It, it, it's going to be Mike Kaufman. I, I was really impressed with the fact that in a very volatile environment, he basically, kind of like a Marine, stood up there and took the slings and arrows, but he looked his constituents in the eye. And he, he showed that he earned the right to be there in the position he's elected to. I don't agree with him on everything, but I was really impressed that he, that he did the in-person town hall meeting when everybody else was ducking for, for cover. Michael. Uh, nine of the 21 uh, medals that the uh, U.S. has gotten in the Olympics so far have been from Colorado, so uh, I want to thank them for making our state look good. And that women's uh, hockey final, holy smokes. If you have not seen that, that's some of the most dramatic stuff. And 38 years to the day of the miracle on ice. Absolutely fantastic. That is all the time we have for this edition of Colorado Inside Out. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to take CIO wherever you go. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we're there. We even have a podcast on iTunes and Google Play. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.